Hey, I want to spend a few minutes with you in the book of James again this morning and talk with you some about living life well. For those of you who were with us last week at the end of the sermon, I, asked, I kind of gave you a pop quiz. You remember what the quiz was? What was it? Can you tell she's a school teacher? <laughs> merciful and doing good things. All right, great. Thank you for remembering. I appreciate it. Um, so I want to share with you a little bit this morning, go a little further with that, because sometimes it is kind of hard for us to think about how we're supposed to live and, and put ourselves in a place where we really do know and recognize how God would have us to live. So we're going to look at a couple of things this morning from James chapter 3 that can give us some insight as to what's important and how we do live our lives. For those of you who are with us in the adult class this morning, we spent a few minutes talking about John 3.16 and the idea that um, believing in God is not just having this mental decision that, yeah, I believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God, but it involves a little bit of thing, this thing called obedience. Any of you know what that is? Some of you know what that is. Some of you children know what that is, okay? You get it? We have all had those moments in time when we have to be obedient and obey things. Well, James gives us some ideas as to how to live, not so much from an obedience perspective, but from a way that will truly give us an opportunity to influence those that we're around without it coming off like we're hard-handed and like we're trying to beat them into submission or make them do something. And so I want to share that with you this morning. One of the things, though, that he starts with in, the, in this passage is the fact that there are two kinds of wisdom that we're going to look at, earthly and that which comes from heaven. I'm not going to ask you right now, some of you may have already read it and you listened to the text a minute ago, but there is a type of earthly wisdom that has an enormous, an enormous impact in the world that we live in today. For those of you who don't know, uh, Monday through Friday, sometimes through Saturday, I actually have a day job. I don't, I don't work at the church every day. And then that day job that I have, I'm a regional manager for, a, for an insurance company. And part of my gig is to go out and hire managers and recruit sales agents to go out and and market the products that we represent with my company. And, and one of the challenges that I have working in that role is the earthly wisdom that is pushed through the world of sales. Some of you guys have been in sales. You've been to sales meetings before. And oftentimes what you hear in a sales meeting is something that kind of goes along with this verse of Scripture. Uh, not goes with it, but it's talked about. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about or deny the truth. Oftentimes, those who work in the world of sales are pushed hard, hard, hard on doing things for you. It's all about your selfish ambition. It's all about what's in it for me. It's all about what can I get out of it. And it's all about achieving your goals. You heard that before? Yeah, well, if you're not careful, that'll take you down a winding spiral road that'll lead you straight to hell. No joke. It will lead you straight to hell. Because you and I who live in this world around us who are so enamored with all the things of the world that are glitzy and fine and look wonderful, sometimes on paper, sometimes even in our own bank accounts, we get caught up in that environment. We get caught up in that world where we're concerned about what someone else has. We want what they have. And all of a sudden, it's all about what do I have? What do I get? James helps us to understand that that's a dangerous path to walk. I put two little pictures up here because self-interest oftentimes does outweigh a lot of other qualities in life. And the reality is some of us are like the little boy looking at the girl's ice cream comb. We'd rather have the big ice cream comb than that sorry, no good for nothing popsicle that he's got. Now, now I have a preference as to which one of those I really like in that picture. And it's not the popsicle. I'd rather have the big ice cream comb. But I don't go around stealing little girl's ice cream combs normally. It's not what I do. But... But you and I have to think about the fact that we have to be careful 
that we don't get sucked into and caught up in this whole thing about what's in it for me. And we have to be careful that we're not envious of what someone else has because it will lead us down a very dangerous road. James warns us about that. He says, such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual, demonic. And where, and, and where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. I put a scary picture up there, and then I put a Picasso painting. I'm not against Picasso. I kind of like some of his stuff because it's way out there. But the reality is that kind of looks a bit disorderly. The lady's eyes are in the wrong place, if you can't tell. And the child she's carrying is a little bit distorted. It's quite a bit out of order. Things don't exactly look right. And if you take a look at that other picture very carefully, the picture of the demons battling against the angels, look, that's the world we live in. The Bible says clearly our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual demonic powers that are in the air. It's not against another person. It's against the spiritual challenges that are in the world around us. That's where James is warning us how we should live. And so he gives us some attributes and qualities of life that truly will help us live better. The first one of those is wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's pure. Now, now let's be honest with this just a minute, folks. It's pretty tough for us to live pure lives in the world that's full of garbage. It's tough. I have left employment with companies before because they were doing things that violated my personal principles and my code of ethics, and I couldn't work there. Because if I worked there, I would start looking and acting and smelling like them, and I didn't want to look and act and smell like them, if you know what I'm saying. You and I are challenged by James to live pure lives. And what does it mean to be pure? Well, there are some things in this world that you and I are probably going to have to put away and not put up with. In order to live pure lives in this world, there's some stuff that you and I can listen to, that we can watch on television, we can go to the movies and see, we can even bring it right into our homes via Netflix or HBO or whatever channel that you want to call it, and we can see things on our televisions that are not pure, but we look at it all the time. So you have to be careful, you and I have to be very, very careful about living pure lives. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And that's important for us to think about. James encourages us to live pure lives. Wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, is pure. Pure religion and undefiled before the Father is what? Take care of the orphans and the fatherless. Sorry, the widows and the orphans. Think about that just a minute with me. Think about that. How much of our lives are concerned with caring for those that are underprivileged? Think about it. Purest, the purest of religion to take care of the fatherless and the widows. James goes on to say, the wisdom that comes from heaven is then peace-loving. I like this picture. I took that picture. That's the resort swimming pool where Lynn and I were at when we visited Monaco a few months ago, or a couple, few weeks ago. I hadn't been months ago yet. That was about 5.30 in the morning. The sun comes up early over there. There was no one out. It was just me and that. And that was a good place to be that morning. You know, I'm not so sure that James, that James is just talking about peace-loving like we're not at war with someone. I think it goes deeper than that. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. The challenge that you and I have in the world today is called technology. 
this. Some of you have been playing with it while the sermon has been going on because I've watched you. Why are you playing with your phone during the sermon? Why are you checking text messages or Snapchat or whatever it is that you do with your phone when church is going on? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because we've been sucked into this thing. And it is a huge distraction in our lives. And I'm not against having a phone. I got two. I have my personal phone. I have my work phone. It happens to be in the car. I didn't bring it in because I'm hoping that no one tried to call me for work this morning during church. But I'm telling you guys, this is a huge distraction. This keeps us from having peace sometimes. Do you realize that? How many of you have recently been in a restaurant or a coffee shop and you see a couple, a man and a woman, I'm guessing in my mind they're married, and they're both sitting doing this. You get what I'm saying? How many of you have seen that? Keep your hands up if you're guilty. We've all done it. If you have a phone, you've done it. That's the reality of it. It is hard to have a peaceful mind when you are constantly distracted by something. And I'm telling you, technology is the something that distracts us more than anything in the world right now. And I'm not against technology. I use it every day. All of us use it every day. I'm not against it. But I do believe that you and I have to have the discipline to turn it off. We have to have the discipline to step away from it and be still and know that he is God. I was excited to get up this morning and see that the President of the United States stepped into North Korea and shook hands with Kim Jong-un. That was exciting to me. It really was. Because no President of the United States has ever done that. And I don't know if that'll keep us from ever going to war with North Korea or not. I hope and pray that it does. I hope it leads to great conversation and, and there's, there's uh, great things that come from that little experience that he, that he did just earlier today. <clears throat> but you know what? If, if there are wars, you and I can still have peace. You and I can still have peace. But we can't have peace if we're constantly allowing ourselves to be distracted by the things of the world. How many times did Jesus go up to the mountain or go to the hill and spend the night? Why do you think he did that? Just because he was tired of looking at the people he was around? Could have been. But I don't think that's the only reason. I think Jesus went up to the hillside and to the mountain and spent the night so that he could have some quiet time with the Lord. He had to talk to the man upstairs. He had to have those moments where he could retreat and rejuvenate and rebuild himself so that he could go out and face the world again. When James talks about wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving, I don't think it's just there's peace in the world. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. You know that song, yes? That's not what it's all about. A part of it is the peace that we have inside. And if you don't have peace inside you're going to have a lot of trouble living a pure life. You're going to have a lot of trouble being a positive influence in someone else's life in the name of Jesus. Because 
all of us know when someone we're around is struggling with something. And if there's no peace, it's hard for God to show up. The wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. I never had a daughter. If I did, I suppose I would look like that some morning. I just believe I would have. Javon, what color have your fingernails been? I mean, seriously, we do things like this for our kids. We are considerate of our children. We ought to be considerate of others. And I really mean this. I don't necessarily mean you have to sit in Starbucks and have some lady that you don't even know paint your toenails or your fingernails. That's not what I'm implying. But I am trying to help us understand that it is important for us to be considerate of those with whom we get an opportunity to share life. It's not about us. It's not just about our selfish ambition. It's about God. It's about Christ living through us. It's about being considerate to those that we're around because that is the kind of heavenly wisdom that James encourages us to have so that we can reach those who are around us. The wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon is said to have quoted this, I have learned to kiss the wave that drives me against the rock of ages. And I think that's a pretty good quote. The wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. And I'm not talking about wives being submission to your husbands as the churches. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about realizing that sometimes the world, life, throws hard things at you. And sometimes we will have to be submissive to the hard things of life because that's how God helps us learn to deal with stuff that's going to even be harder. And when you and I are submissive, to the things that God brings us in our lives. Whether we brought it on or he let somebody else bring it on, when we have an opportunity to enjoy, and I use that word on purpose, to enjoy being submissive to the hard things of life, some amazing things can happen. Some of you could tell stories. Some of you could write books about the hard, challenging, difficult things you've done in your life and that have happened to you. But looking back on it, how much different you are and how much better life has been, and how that one story, that one experience, that very hard thing you had to do is what allowed you to reach somebody else with the news and the message of who Jesus is. James goes on. He says that wisdom that comes from heaven is also full of mercy and good fruit. Philippians chapter 1, He who <clears throat> began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you notice that the writer of the book of Philippians says that he who began the work in you? Who do you think he is? I'm guessing it's not you. I'm guessing it's Jesus. I'm guessing it's the Holy Spirit of God working through you to accomplish whatever it is that God needs right now in your world at this time. And whatever he started, the good works that he started, he'll see it through. And when you and I trust God enough to allow Him to do that with us, then the wisdom that comes from heaven will be full of mercy and good fruit. And that mercy, again, is when folks don't always get what they deserve. Thank God. Because there's a few things I deserve. <clears throat> I made a mistake the other night. I was in Las Vegas. I didn't do anything bad. Don't let your mind go there because I didn't do anything bad. But I was there on work. And a bunch of us after dinner, we were walking around. 
And we were in a part of the city where it was really, really loud. There were a couple of bands that were playing on the street. There were guys beating with drumsticks on the, on the bottom side of five-gallon buckets. I mean, there was drums going on, all this kind of stuff. And I made a mistake. I called my wife. In the middle of all that noise, I called her. And she did not appreciate my phone call. In the least, she didn't appreciate the phone call. And had she been able to reach through the phone and grab me by the throat, I would not be able to stand before you today because she would have choked me to death. Because I deserved to be choked to death for calling her where I was at because it was crazy. I got in the car to go home that evening. A friend of mine, that was a co-worker, he was in the car with me. And for some reason, verbally, I said out loud, note to self, do not call your wife from the strip. And I hope I can remember that. Guys, there are some things that happen that we do. We deserve to get just ripped. We just need to get kicked to the curb. And thank God he doesn't always kick us to the curb. He allows us to live through it. Consequences sometimes? Of course. Yes. But thank God. Wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and good fruit. And there are good things that can come from even those experiences when uh, it would maybe have served us better that he wasn't as merciful. Good fruit is always possible. And then there's wisdom that comes from heaven that's impartial and sincere. We live in a very uh, interesting time right now in our country. There are a whole lot of people. There's a whole lot of conversation going on between different groups of people about what is fair and and. What does it mean to not be partial? And what does it mean to be impartial? And there are a lot of people who are trying to give away stuff that we haven't been giving away and they want to promote different things that maybe others don't want to promote. And all of that is political. And all of that has its place in the world. But in the lives of believers, there's no room for impartiality. There's zero room. Jesus told a story, told a parable about if someone comes into your place you need to give them the best seat. If you go into the building, you don't need to sit in the best seat because that seat may be reserved for someone who is of more humble means than you. He tells several parables about how people are supposed to be treated. And one of the things that I love about this church is that there isn't any partiality. We're very impartial, and we treat people with love and kindness and respect from the lowest of means to the highest of means and everything in between. And that is refreshing to me. I have been places where you couldn't do that. I've been places where that wasn't embraced. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial and it is sincere. Do you realize that every single person that you'll see today and tomorrow and next week and next month, every person you'll see all the way through the rest of this year, without exception, without exception, they need to know who Jesus is. Every single one of them. And I know that some of those people that you're going to see, you don't even like them. I know you don't because you're human. And there's some people that you just don't like. There's some people who their personality just rub you the wrong way. That's just humanity. That's the way that we are. But I'm here to tell you that every single person you see, whether you like them or not, need to hear about Jesus. So how will you live in this world? 
Can you be pure? Can you continue the work that's been started in you so that grace and mercy and good works can come from that and result from that? Can you see people through a lens of impartiality and offer them the same courtesy, the same love, the same expression of Christ that God offered to you when he sent Jesus to the cross? So living life well doesn't just mean that you give stuff away, doesn't mean you show up at church, doesn't mean you say your prayers before you go to bed at night or just before you eat your meal. And all of those are good things, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But living life well is living life in Christ and living with Him present with you all the time, living in the purity of the Word, living in the purity of the Spirit, living where Christ can show up. And the fact of the matter is, guys, none of us ever really know when he will show up. We never know. Heard an expression years and years ago in a sermon probably in 1987, Randy Mayhew made a comment. He says, I long for moments of transcendence when God comes down. And I live every day in an anxious anticipation that somewhere, somehow, some way, with someone today, God shows up through me. And I get to spend life with them. So I invite you to consider how you live. I invite you to live life well and live in the spirit of God so that these attributes may come through. And then the next time I give you a pop quiz, it'll be easy to name off five or six or seven or 10 or 42 things that have happened in your life where you know God showed up. This morning, Brandon's going to come lead us in a song. We're going to sing this together. And as we do, I invite you to consider you allowing Jesus to reign in your life. Give your heart to him. Give your life to him. If there's any of you here who need the prayers of the church, we invite you to come. If there are any here who have never even accepted Jesus as your Savior, behind this curtain in the jungle, there is a baptistry. It looks similar to the water on the picture, but not quite. It'll be warmer than that water would be. There's a baptistry ready. If you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, put him on in baptism today. It's pretty simple. It's about a third grade education can figure that one out. It's not hard. It's not complicated. Don't make it more than it should be. I invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's stand and sing and encourage one another.